episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 8, Episode 8, which is titled Partly Cloudy, Chance of Rain. The episode aired on November 15, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Well, we're starting off with another ray of sunshine this week. I'm sorry, guys. Well, but it's not related to 9-11. Uh, on, on November 12th in New York City, American Airlines Flight 587, on its way to the Dominican Republic, crashes minutes after takeoff from John F. Kennedy International Airport, killing all 260 on board and five on the ground. Uh, this is twofold uh, relevant to things we've been discussing. A, because of obviously the timing and the location and the fact that it involved a plane. Everybody thought this was 9-11 part two. <gasps> uh, this was, yeah, this there was a, a very real panic that this was another terrorist attack and that this was like another, it was happening again. I um, don't blame them. That was hugely traumatic for everyone in that yeah. area. Because this, uh, this plane goes down, I think, in, like, um, Queens. Like, you know, like mm. a, re- a residential... Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, this crashed in, like, a residential neighborhood. This was a, a big uh, deal. I wonder um, if that season 12 or 13... Uh, 12, I think it's 12 episode where the plane crashes into the... In Chicago. Uh, yeah, wouldn't surprise me if, if it was sort of loosely tied to the events of this. Like, this was a, a very big deal. And, you know, it was... Um, it was on its way to the Dominican Republic, so it was a lot of uh, families like traveling home to visit their family, you know, uh. Uh, from out of the country. Uh, and the other thing that's sort of tangentially relevant is the World Series that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, the 2001 World Series uh, with the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. Uh, one of those weird twists of fate things, one of the Yankees players was supposed to be on this flight uh, and missed it uh, because... Uh, or di- didn't miss it, but um, but rescheduled to a different one. He took an earlier flight home because they didn't win the World Series. He had originally planned to stay longer in New York to be there for the victory parade. And then when the victory ah. when the victory parade didn't happen, he was like, "Well, no reason to stick around. I'll just go home earlier." And so he would have been on this plane had the Yankees won the World Series. So that's another one of those weird like sliding doors things of like had that hit not fallen in over Mariano Rivera. That could have meant the end of this particular player's life, you know. So it's just one of those weird, weird things, the way things work out sometimes. Okay, going on to other news that only some of us may be excited about. Video game shit. Sorry, listeners. Microsoft. Microsoft releases their new gaming console, the Xbox. The console sold over 24 million units and would be discontinued in 2006 after being replaced by its successor, the Xbox 360, in 2005. It also had one hell of a weird controller that is too big for Lauren's tiny, tiny hands. They made a smaller one for Lauren's tiny, tiny hands. Yeah, but the original is is so uncomfortable. It's... I have not had a more comfortable controller for my for my very big hands. I have, I have bigger hands. Bigger than average hands. And that controller was a thing of beauty. A no, revelation. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, where do you stand on that controller? Dopey, dopey looking as hell. Never liked it. Too many buttons. Too big. Like, just no thanks. It's okay. I also but just I, don't love the Xbox controller, period. Like, I don't like, I don't, I'm a Nintendo boy, so, like, the, the layout of Xbox controllers just upsets me. Give me a PlayStation controller any day. 
So okay, so you want you want to waggle your Wii remote all day long. Anyway, uh, along with the debuting Xbox came the game Halo Combat Evolved. The highly praised sci-fi first-person shooter is widely regarded as the game that brought shooters into the mainstream. So far, there have been five direct sequels, along with a handful of spin-off games. We don't talk about the Paramount Plus show. It's it's so bad. No, but I cannot overstate the importance of this game series in my in my life. Really, like this was like like I was into gaming. I was I was I enjoyed games, but like this and Grand Theft Auto Three made me a gamer. Like got me hooked on video games for life, pretty much. Especially this one because it came along right at the exact right time. I'm sure everyone who was a teenager around this time either went to or heard about Halo parties. Because mm-hmm. you could link up to four Xboxes together and have 16 players in the same thing on, in your same... We... So I would, lug my, I would lug a CRT, the giant TVs that they used to make, not flat panels... I, I would lug a 19-inch one of those over to my friend's house and then be playing really small on my Xbox in another room so none of us could screen sheet, could screen peek. It was the weirdest and most fun stuff I've ever had. Some of the most fun times I've ever had in high school were because of this game and its sequel, Halo 2. I, I spent a lot of hours in my friend's basement playing Halo 2 and 3. That's what, that's what got me more into console gamings was once I was around Xbox more from playing at their house that's what got me interested in it so even if the recent games have been of middling quality i'll be nice and say that um this the series still has a huge place in my in as i have still have a huge soft spot for this series also the books are really good too i definitely recommend about diving more into the universe in the books all right uh, Monsters, Inc. beats out the new god-awful com- comedy, in air quotes, Shallow Hal, starring Jack Black and Gwyneth Paltrow with an additional... Oh my god, I can't... Never mind, I can't think of his name. So, yep, uh, Jack Black and Gwyneth Paltrow. That's all I know. That's all I uh, remember. Um, Costanza from Seinfeld is in Jason it well. Alexander? Plays, thank you, he plays Jack Black's best friend in that movie. An absolute asshole. And Family Affair by Mary J. Blige is still your number one song. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Stripper. At 8.30, Scrubs with the episode My 15 Minutes. At 9, Will and Grace with Star Spangled Banter. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with The Impossible Dream. This week's episode had 27.3 million viewers tuning in, directed by David Nutter. Doing his fourth out of five. <laughs> I, I was going to get through it without chuckling. And then Lauren. Oh, just, sorry. Leave it to Lauren. Uh, doing his fourth out of five. Uh, previous one of his from last season was Peace of Mind. And written by Jack Orman. Doing his 21st out of 28. Uh, and previous ones of his from this season included The Longer You Stay and Four Corners. This episode won an Emmy for Outstanding Single Camera Sound Mixing. Uh, and uh, we are also continuing the No Ming-Na Wen tour this week, as well as No Lizzie Corday. And before we actually get into the episode, I'm just going to say right now, guys, this one moved fast. The notes are crazy. Uh, it's going to kind of be very bullet by bullet here because there's not a lot of good scene breaks in the same way as some other episodes. So if we're going fast, it's just because that's how the episode was laid out and... 
I would have died trying to take more cohesive notes. Well, yeah. um, this is this is one we definitely recommend going back and watching the episode on yes. HBO Max or your DVD collection, this, wherever. It's such a fantastic episode. It's so worth it. This but. was a two-watch for us to make yeah. sure I didn't die for several reasons. Um, but with that being said, the previously on, there's none this week. What? Um, Dive right in. Yep, we see the little TV up in the corner of the ER, the news is on, and we hear that there's a super heavy rainstorm going on. We see Lily is missing $40 from her purse. She needs it to um, pay the pay her share of Cleo's going away present, and we're waiting on Cleo to come down for a, quote, surprise farewell on her last day. Guys, it's Cleo's last day, apparently. Uh <laughs> Lily goes like, oh, can I pay you back? And Frank goes, yeah, I offer rolling credit. Just such <laughs> good seems, delivery. That seems very unlike Frank to I know, be nice about but money. I, I feel like with the nurses, he's going to be a little okay, bit fair. more. But uh, somehow, they aren't behind schedule yet. Carter is bragging that they are right on track. We got a couple MVAs that are all good and tucked in and good to go. Uh, Halle says no one can leave the admit desk because then no one will be there for Cleo to say goodbye. And... Abby's like, I gotta pee. And Halei goes, okay, we'll be fast. Uh, the basement is flooding, so Carrie sends Halei down to help. Um, <laughs> persuades her only because the payroll files are down there, <laughs> which is my favorite. I mean, that would persuade me, yeah, too. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and we learned Gallant got a warning note because he missed a conference related to his rotation. And he had to miss due to his Army Reserve uh, seminars. So... He's trying to negotiate with Carrie to get that taken off his record. And we hear that a stab wound is en route to the ER. And Benton got a letter from the DNA from the DNA lab. It's, is it weird that he had it sent to like the emergency department? Yeah. A little Frank bit. Frank is giving him this yeah. letter. I mean, I understand it from like a TV perspective, yeah. but it just, it just seems really weird. That's yeah. the kind of thing I would not have sent to my office yeah. personally. Frank yeah. thinks uh, Benton's getting himself cloned. Which uh, <laughs> killed me. Goes in the lounge to open it. We see Nicole in there looking very flustered. And, ah, oh man, I forgot to get the audio. I forgot to get the sound because I had to panic and get the sound close You're for good. this really quick. But I was going to do I was gonna do a Moropovich. You are not the father of Reese. Yeah. We don't get confirmation here, but we do see him crumple up the letter. We're led to infer that it's bad news. Yeah. Very angry, angry man at that, in that moment. And obviously we are in with bangs. Uh, still no Sharif in the credits and Ming-Na is still there. Foreshadowing her return. Banana. Still a sports center. <laughs> I can't not do the sports center noise. Daniel, carry on. It's just even more impressive considering I've, you've probably never watched sports center in your entire life, at least not on purpose. Uh, that would be true. <laughs> I've watched a ton of it. In any event, uh, we see Mark arguing with a guy who stayed out all day after having a suspected MI. Uh, he has already had one angioplasty and a heart attack. Uh, Susan then kind of, as Mark is leaving this patient, that Susan catches up with him and kind of scolds him for his bedside manner, says that, you know, he didn't used to treat patients that way, which is, I like, uh, I like that we get a chance to dig into a little bit of long-term continuity mm -hmm. with, you know, how their relationship has developed over the years and how, you know, she could make reference to how things were when she was here the first time. Like we don't just try to completely ignore that nothing has changed. Um, that's one of the few things like that. That's one of the few like unqualified positives that I have about Susan 2.0 is I do like what they do with her and Mark for the brief time that they are back in the same 
physical space, you know, until he's gone. I do like that they explore that at just a little bit. Um, Medivac is coming in with a near-drowning child. Uh, Cleo sees her cake, and Susan tells her that uh, it's supposed to be a surprise, and she's like, I hate chocolate mint, which is, I feel like, it's probably not intentional, but it does feel like a little bit of a meta-commentary on Cleo as a character that, like, eat not only the audience, but and not only the writers, but the people who work with her directly have no idea anything about her beyond yeah. surface level. Like, <laughs> I was, like, thinking about it as... Because, like, this is not her last appearance, air quotes. Like, she will, you know, of course, appear a couple more times this season. Um, That's poor Benton. Yeah, so, like... We'll, we will be touching on her uh, retrospective here very soon. And so, like, that got me thinking about it. And I was like, man, that's going to be a short one. <laughs> like, there is just not that much that they ever really give you with Cleo. Uh, and it's just, it, it's a bummer. Um, but Cleo just bails uh, and says, uh, I'll be upstairs if anybody needs me. And Susan and Carter are doing some more cute flirting. Uh, he complains that she doesn't have an answering machine, but apparently hers broken the move excuses excuses susan and uh, apparently his apparently carter's butler didn't give him the messages she left for him so i mean is it does that mean he has a broken butler where she, she has a broken answering machine anyway but he says good help is hard to find and she asks if there's any benefits and he says well there's the there's the outfit and we all pictured susan in a maid's outfit and our days were made a little bit better Indeed. I'll, I'll let us all rest on that for a minute before I go into... Uh, also, again, cute. I'm fine with this. It's wonderful. I know there's at least two listeners that are on my side right now. So, Daniel. And one um, co-host. My uh, sister is also pro-Susan and, and Carter. It's... I Just believe that out there. I believe it was next week's episode, I think, I put the, the response thread up for today. And already we've had multiple yeah. comments oh. from people that are like, this fucking thing is on life support. I've yep. seen corpses with more romantic chemistry than these oh, two. Oh, it bombs real fast but just in the initial stages it's very cute it has potential but anyway carrie asks where the stab wound is uh tells gallant to come along with her because it should be in the ambulance bay by now where is this patient uh mark asks abby he goes am i mean to patients as they're going upstairs and uh (laughs) she goes nicer than i am to which mark responds that's not much solace and then they go run out on the roof and the rain is just pouring buckets down as they go to get this uh helicopter medevac patient and the weather we hear from from uh abby that the weatherman said partly cloudy chance of rain on the news this morning ding 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 he wins the episode but no i meant the weatherman but yes okay abby Abby said the name of the episode yes abby said the name of the episode but the weatherman told her anyway a 12 year old boy daniel has respiratory issues after near drowning his brother joey still has not been found daniel are you okay uh as somebody just getting over a cold uh this honestly rang very close to home uh all right well (laughs) daniel (laughs) daniel who plays daniel respiratory issues uh near drowning uh as somebody who doesn't swim very well uh great uh daniel not me is played by actor <laughs> jack johnson and he appears in uh stuff like the tie that binds sleep easy hutch rhymes and the movie that jake will insist to his dying breath uh is good actually despite me it too. not me too. being you've both been wrong about things before there's, there's uh, some over, there's more overlap it's not just boston public the ill-fated 1990s attempt to make matthew leblanc a standout action star lost in space I like it too. 
Lauren, it's it's a wild Lauren it's, your endorsement is not always a mark of quality. Like, let's just point that out. Like, <laughs> it's good, dumb fun. Gary Oldman knows exactly what movie he's in within that movie, and it's fantastic. Hold on. The fuck did I do to you? <laughs> you co-signed Lost in Space, which is a deeply, deeply terrible movie that yeah. I saw what? in theaters in the 90s and still what want bullsh- my money back for. What bullshit are you subtweeting me on here that my uh, endorsement is not a ringing mark of quality? Because that could be said of all of us. That. So the why thing are you, you just calling said. me out? The thing you just said. Anyway, anyway, what happens next? <laughs> uh, we see Carrie and Gallant in the ambulance bay. Uh, still haven't seen their expected ambulance come in yet. And uh, Gallant living up to his name already, Bodie McBoatface, and uh, offers her a jacket <laughs> in the rain. We're going to have to have a Bodie McBoatface Gallant sticker. Uh, we learn that uh, you, he's done a year of active duty and is now in a scholarship program. And oh, it begins. I'm What's, sorry. What? Oh, it begins. Just the whole, like, just the whole, like, uh, is it's, the, the? I just feel like they they brought Gallant in to be a tragic figure. Like they that they, they. It's almost like they had the whole thing planned out from the beginning. I can see that, but the, I can imagine. I can't imagine that while they were in writing the episode with that. No, 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 no. Absolutely, no, absolutely not. No, but it's just. In retrospect, with the benefit of hindsight, it feels like they, you know, are writing this in reverse. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, Cleo and Benton are in the lounge. She's on the phone with his attorney about the DNA test, and we get confirmation that he is really not, you are not the father. Uh, Cleo le- go, leaves to go with Benton to the attorney's office. Yeah, and Carrie's like, isn't it your last day? And Cleo's running out the door, and she says, I'll call and say my goodbyes. And wouldn't that be funny if that was the last fucking time we that ever saw? That would have been fucking great. That honestly would have, I would have preferred that. Not any shade at, at Cleo or Michael Michelle as an actress or it anything, but it just, so it just would have been pitch perfect for the way they've treated that character. And it wouldn't have even been a Bob because we heard it was her last day. So like, right. But uh, then we see the ambulance, sh- a different ambulance shows up with a 24 year old female who was hit by a car. And Daniel, do you want to tell us who Jill is? Oh, goody. Five, five year old me is unwell. Uh, this <laughs> uh, playing Jill here is mine and probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of young little boys in, and maybe some girls too, uh, in the mid 90s. Uh, their first uh, crush, uh, one Amy Jo Johnson, who uh, is most famous for stuff like Tammy's Always Dying, uh, the TV series Felicity, and for being Kimberly the Pink Ranger on Mighty Morphin Motherfucking Power Rangers. Uh, and <laughs> uh, the series that turns 30 fucking years old this year. Yeah, did you guys see they're doing a special? Yeah, they are. And like they the are, Blue Rangers coming yeah, back? Yeah, they are, oh, they are doing a special on Netflix. I believe it comes out in April. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Amy Jo will not be part of it. No. Uh, I, did, I was reading uh, some stuff. Stuff. she gave some interviews recently where she was like i never said no she's like i just didn't say yes to what they were offering which mm. uh speaks to um if we can really get into the fucking weeds about power rangers for a second uh speaks to why her and austin st john and um walter jones who played the original black ranger who's also in that netflix remake mm-hmm. the reason they left the show in the first place was because all of the actors on the show were virtual nobodies they were virtual children it was a non-union show and they were getting and they were getting paid fucking 
peanuts. Like they were getting mm-hmm. paid dog shit. It was the biggest show on the planet for about two or three years. Kids, every millions in merchandise, and you know the movie came out in like '95. Like there was just there, the, the thing was a money making machine, and the people who were actually responsible for it being such a big, massive hit were getting fucked. And so, you know, I don't blame any of. Now, granted, most of them have like made peace with all that, and like the convention circuit and the nostalgia market after effect. Like none of them are hurting. Uh, but just like, I don't blame any of them for having like not so great feelings towards the thing that like, yes, it made them all famous, but it didn't exactly make them rich, at least not right uh, away. STT debriefs on the Power Rangers when? I mean, technically that, I mean, technically Corday's dad makes the the 95 movie a Power Rangers movie because I will never get tired of pointing out that he plays Ivan Ooze. It's so uh, good. But anyway, uh, Jill's dog was also hit. Uh, this is not our stab wound patient that Carrie was expecting. Carrie yells at the EMTs for dispatch needing to get their shit together because she's it's been a half hour and the stab patient still isn't in. But we learn that Unit 37 was slammed by an SUV and is stuck out on site. And it is at Ashland and Western, Lizzie. Not an intersection. All those right. are both those are two north south streets. About a few blocks away from a few blocks away from each other. And we learn this is where the stab wound patient is, who is also pregnant, by the way. More Be- than more than a few, sorry. Yep. And uh Carrie hops in the ambulance and has Gallant come with her. I going on an adventure. Yeah. We'd love a good in the field episode. And we learn child Daniel has a sucking chest wound. And this is the only spot in the episode that I felt like putting it, whose films are those, and they are still looking for his brother, Joey. That's honestly uh, very ironic, because sucking chest wound was my nickname in high school. So So we get to the scene of the accident in which Lauren is miserable for every shot because it's lightning and other electrical effects because the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because the ambulance was slammed into an electrical pole. Because uh, fuck me, right? Yeah. Because fuck you. You can't have anything nice. Uh, Doris is stuck in the back of the of the wrecked rig with a broken leg, and we meet... <gasps> we meet... We meet Sandy. I love Sandy. Hi, Sandy. I, how do we only have 12 appearances of her? Well, they space, it, they, they space it out a little bit, you know. But still, I could have sworn she was, she was a more... A bigger part of the show, yeah, in twelve episodes. But who plays our firefighter here, Sandy? Uh, Sandy, of course, is played by actress Lisa Vidal, who uh, appears in stuff like Star Trek 09, uh, Being Mary Jane, and the TV series The Event. Uh, and, and as Lizzie said, this is her first of only twelve appearances, but through two thousand and four. So she'll be with us for sporadically for the next couple of seasons. Uh, and uh, I, I'm very excited to revisit this whole arc. Like, I'm, I'm very obviously, I'm not excited to revisit the conclusion of this arc, no, but, no, uh, but I'm at least uh, interested to see how this has all, how this all comes together. And you know, she's a character that I remember enjoying quite a bit the first time around, so I'm excited to see her again. Yeah. Again, she's one of those. Like I said, only twelve appearances. I could have sworn she was in more because she's important. That likable and important of a character to me for sure so yeah so in the back of the rig uh our stabbing victim is a 12 28 year old woman named vicky she's eight months pregnant as well she got mugged unfortunately and some power lines fall down and sandy pushes carrie out of the way uh firefighters holding the the door to the ambulance 
when there's electrical stuff electrical current running through it because of the down power lines and he's just standing there and like he's clearly being electrocuted um and gallant uh just jumps into action our gallant our 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 gallant superhero uh leaps and pushes him off of the door and carrie is horrified because gallant might himself get electrocuted because it's raining and water conducts electricity folks play your pokemon games (laughs) that's how i learned that's how i learned that water conducts electricity was through Pokemon. i will still not understand why water is not weak to ice but daniel anyway what happens next see and to to take the uh, one more uh unpenetrable reference uh stab at it i i said as i was watching that uh gallant runs and does a spear that would make goldberg and or edge very proud uh because he just like spears the dude right off the ambulance door so good for him uh, we come back from commercial. Brody, the firefighter, is unresponsive. He has no pulse. is not breathing. Uh, Carrie tells Sandy to go check on Vicky and then yells at Gallant for being uh, stupid and gallant. Uh, gallant, not gallant, not stupid and gallant. Stupid and gallant. See see how this gets tricky, Bodie McBoatface? Uh, the uh, <laughs> tires are insulating the rig uh, that Vicky is in. Carrie goes back over to the rig, asks Vicky if she's bleeding from her vagina, which is a word that I should be more comfortable saying than I am, but hey. I was I was saying I was surprised that they said it on network TV. I don't know why. I think it's probably, like, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it, it's, it is, of course, in a clinical context, and it's, yeah. and also, too, I'm sure it helps that, like, they were screaming it over very loud rain and, like. But, yeah, I was just, like, sweet. Yeah. They went for it. Went went right for the clinical terminology. Proud of uh, you, Daniel. Carrie says she is coming into the rig, and Sandy says, nope. Uh, <laughs> and she, I wish that was just the line. <laughs> nope. nope. And uh, Carrie uses the opportunity to jump in while a cop is telling Sandy about the power line situation. So, I'm just trying to imagine Carrie just yelling at, can you feel down in your under crotch for <laughs> your groin? For blood? That, what's funny is that it, it be, only because it came up in the the uh, what else is on segment. Uh, I'm reminded of Scrubs, where uh, Sarah Chalk's character uh, Elliot. That's like a character trait. Cannot of her, is say. that she cannot say that word, and so like I'm just imagining Carrie like yelling at her. Are you bleeding from your bajingo or whatever the the whatever the like slang <laughs> yes. term is that she uses on that show? Your, your lady parts. <laughs> Anyway, the woman from the car accident said she had taken her dog Gordon for a walk and it was a hit and run. She got hit by a silver car. And this is where we first really see her face clearly that we can see. Oh, hi, it's Kimberly, the Pink Ranger. Um, Probably could use her more further right then. Uh, Susan needs to do an ultrasound and comforts the woman about her dog. He probably went really fast. She also said that 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 kind of dog was the best. Yeah. But uh, child Daniel will need to be seen by Pede's surgery to get checked on. I'm just going to keep doing that. We know it's the character, (laughs) but I'm just going to keep doing it. Uh, Daniel asks if Joey is dead. Then he says that Joey didn't want to go to the the river, and Joey is only six years old. Uh, Gallant runs over near the rig to ask how Vicky is doing. Carrie is trying to keep Vicky calm while she listens to the heart rate of, for the heart rate of the baby. Yells for Gallant to get in the rig to help, and Gallant jumps and does it. Um, but they need lidocaine, and Carrie is going to have to do a C-section. 
She reassures that the baby is full term and can survive. This line led to so many questions. <laughs> she says, I'm an emergency physician. I'm trained to perform a C-section only after the mother has died. I might be able to save you both. I asked Nurse Jen about this. Yeah. I don't know what came of it, but... It, it, it led her down just the most, like... Because uh, she didn't watch the episode with me, she came. Right. She was she was not in the room when I was watching the episode, but she came in while I was doing notes, and I was like, "Oh, by the way, I was like, Lauren and Lizzie had this question about this line, and it was one of those things like you know when you try to tell a joke to your parents and it ac- yep. and it accidentally turns into a lecture. Yep. That's kind of what happened when I asked Jen this question, expecting a quick yes no answer or that's bullshit or no." I instead got her like pouring over textbooks and like Googling things for a solid 10 minutes looking because she was like, well, in this case, there might be such a thing. And then I but I think they would have basic training. And I was just like, by the end of it, I didn't actually care what the answer was. Like, I was so (laughs) like by the end, I was just like, I regret asking this question. (laughs) Like, this is so I was expecting a quick like, yes, no, affirmative, negative. No, I got like a 10 minute lecture on like, you know, rural OB care. And like, they would probably be trained to do such as, and I was just like, I, 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 uh, cannot wait for our listeners, the medical field ones to tell us in detail what's going on with this. But we learned Gallant has not done an OB rotation before. And Carrie goes, well, you'll be ahead. And, uh, Carrie needs him to keep blood pressure every few minutes. And, we learn they're going to need a lot of gauze and saline. And she does a damn epidural with this lidocaine in the field. Holy shit. Gross. Now, I have a question. No. Would the amount of lidocaine in the, that they probably carry in a, in a ambulance. Yep. In the wee-woo-wee-woo machine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and just a simple shot in the spine. Like, would that really do it? I mean, it would I mean, it would be is, better than nothing. That is I mean, kind obviously, of, that is but... what an epidural is essentially, just with some stronger drugs. And keep in mind, she may she may have taken like several doses worth because that kit may have been for several crashes. Maybe so yeah. they would have. She may have been able to get more than just a standard one dose out of it. I know it just it That's... just seems like a little amount for. Oh, it's when you it's see not it, when you enough. See but... Giant epidural needles. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. Anyway, let's go to our first audio clip, finally. Uh, Benton is with his attorney. Peter, the DNA test was inevitable. There has to be a precedent. Not in a custody battle between two men without genetic ties to a child they both helped raise. Stepfather versus stepfather. I'm not his stepfather, I'm his father. Sorry. Father. Until Carla died, Roger never questioned that Peter was Reese's dad. That's irrelevant. Carla put my name on the birth certificate. And if she were alive? Carla couldn't contest the paternity. But Roger can? Ironically, yes. Peter, you are going to have to allow Roger to resume partial visitation. No, no way. As we speak, Roger's attorney is drafting a pre-trial motion for visitation until this is resolved. If you don't stipulate now, you will lose that hearing and be painted as the heavy. I'm the heavy? He's trying to take my son from me and I'm the heavy. You need to be seen by the judge as someone who's only interested in Reese's well-being. I am. Good. Then you need to listen to me. You have to stay focused on the end game and not let anger or fear impede that goal. I did not realize how good the storm foley was in the background on this scene. Very soothing. Oh yeah, it's it's great throughout the entire episode. Keep they really keep that going. 
Benton's attorney here, just b- before we get into the substance of things, Benton's attorney is uh, played by actress Roma Ma- Mafia. Roma Mafia, uh, and she appears in stuff like Disclosure, Double Jeopardy, and Nick of Time, among many, many other things. I'm sure uh, Aaron will tell us all about it because I'm pretty <laughs> sure she's appeared on Law and Order at least a few times. Yeah, she's she she's is. A rec- she's a recurring character as a de- as a defense lawyer. Yeah, uh, and she is making her first of three appearances. The next three episodes, because remember, kids, including this one, we have three episodes left with Benton. It's kind of, kind of, for the purposes of Lauren's psyche, we have at least one more appearance after that so thank you daniel but how do we uh how do we feel about this i still feel like this is the world's most pointless custody battle it's so it's it so really bad is. like it's so bad and i have more thoughts on it in a little bit with another scene from roger and benton in a shortly but it's it's bullshit the like whole if, thing is stupid and if jackie had just kept her goddamn mouth shut this wouldn't be a problem they wouldn't have gotten all like puffed up and yeah. territorial over it they could have just co-parented and everything would have been fucking fine yeah they had a p- perfect situation going perfect here's but, here, as we said before but it has to be ruined by feelings yeah here's a weird vindictive thought like character motivation wise like here's a here's a real dark thought like is because they've they've touched on uh jackie's like continued not doing great uh miss mm-hmm since the whole you know the thing and like is this like an intentional move on her part that's like if if i can't be happy nobody can be happy like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna fuck up their shit because i'm not happy and and i don't know how to handle my emotions so i'm just gonna fuck everything up for i'll take it i'll take it what i'll take it one further you couldn't save my son so i'm gonna help take away yours oh dark ouch dark daniel started it. character assassination of jackie on the way out the door you love to see it uh we then go back to the uh the the shit in the ambulance as i'm gonna call it the shit in the ambulance is ongoing carrie asked sandy for more light uh and uh this is an excellent like i would argue that this is a little bit of um uh, uh, Helen Highwater Redux starring Carrie Weaver. Like we we get to see her. Yes. We get to see her do some cowboy shit for a change, and it looks good on her. Like she she does it really oh, yeah. well. Um, she does this fantastically. Because yeah, she's doing all this stuff and walking gallant through it. It's all horrifying from a visual you know standpoint, but it is so well done. And she is like firmly in the driver's seat of the whole thing. Like she and the and the pulling apart. Oh, do they make the incision? Ah. Yeah. Great audio for our listeners. She is just like, I, I, this is an episode that I like sort of, sort of remember, but also at the same time sort of didn't. Um, and I was so pleasantly surprised by it. I was so like, Oh yes, this is just so good. Uh, I feel like this is the episode that I thought the crossing was like, this is, Mm. this is the episode that I was like, yes, this is, this is the good shit. Uh, but, uh, we go back to the ER, Jill, the, uh, hit and run patient, uh, AKA my first wife, uh, is going upstairs for further scans. Hey, I saw her uh, first. Carter makes fun of Susan about the dog comment. And, uh, Carter says the dog is the least of her concerns, which is, you know, a little rude, but you know, par for the course for our boy. Uh, we overhear on the news that Joey is still missing, 
and Frank also mentions that his Palm Pilot is missing and thinks someone may have stolen it. Hmm. In case it wasn't clear, we were in early 2000s. Palm Pilots, guys. Palm Pilots. Palm Pilots. I remember when I first met my stepdad, I was like 9 or 10. This would have been 2012. He had a Palm Pilot, and he won me over because he'd let me play Bejeweled on it when we all went out to dinner. (laughs) Little Lauren's like, sold. I like him. Yep. 100%. Uh, All right, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Gamma's here. Oh, she's shit. Been, she's been brought about by Alger. Dr. Carter. The weather center Alger, Alger. It's your grandma. Again, what happened? I found her in the driveway in the rain. I think she may have broken her hip. Get a gurney! Said she slipped, but there's a cut on her head. She was driving? She went out during the break of the storm. Gamma? Oh, John, it's terrible. It hurts. Okay. I know it does. Just lay still. Uh, did she pass uh, I don't know, but her right leg is shortened and externally rotated. I think I broke my hip. I think you did too. What happened to your head? I thought it was best if I drove home. I didn't realize how much I was bleeding, so it slipped on the driveway. You were in an accident? Well, I, I don't... It was raining. I couldn't see. I think I hit a dog. Where were you, Gam? Where were you driving? It was supposed to be clear. It was supposed to be sunny. All right, two things about this. Uh, number one, uh, we should have Gamma Carter killed uh, because <gasps> she. Okay, it's they make it clear. Like the, the the inference here is that you know she's the one that hit the Pink Ranger and killed her dog. So like, it's been real, Gamma Carter, but right to jail, straight straight, straight, to, jail. No straight to jail. Uh, Jake's already added her to the list of killers on the show. Un, un. Uh, oh my God! Yeah, I suppose you're right. He's, yeah. he's already added her to the list of uh, uh, unprosecuted killers on the show. Uh, second of all, I need a ruling. So, okay. uh, this show has, as mm-hmm. we know, uh, 331 episodes. Mm-hmm. 331 divided by two is 165 and a half. Now, does that mean to you? Eh, 165 full episodes and then a half, or is it halfway through 165? I would say 165, then a half. I, so the middle of 166. I agree. I agree. But of course, you know, if you uh, go by our little uh, ER historian in our Discord, uh, Basic Ball, uh, she insists that. Uh, the middle of this episode marks the halfway mark of the show. Either way, what the fuck? Yeah. So either either sometime during that clip that we just heard, either sometime during that clip, or because you figure an average length of 44 minutes an episode, um, the t- somewhere in the 22 to 23 minute window would mark the halfway part of the episode. Uh, so either either somewhere in that clip we just heard or in a clip roughly in the same spot next episode, we will have roughly as much ER behind us as we do in front of us. Just let your mind just kind of meld on that for a second. No. I just teared up a little. <sighs> halfway. You just, you just broke me. Cue the Bon Jovi because we're halfway there. I almost sang it. Nope. Uh, so anyway, Gamma. Thanks for thanks for resisting the white people urge to sing that song. It's it's right there. It's it's building like a sneeze. We gotta talk about Gamma or I'll do it. Well, is Gamma living on a prayer? Don't Lizzie stop. <laughs> it's it's so strong. You know how white I am. It's so strong. We need to talk about Gamma being a killer. If Car- if Carter takes her hand, will she make it, I swear? 
<laughs> All right, I'm good. I sang it in my in my head. I'm fine. Uh, Daniel has the video clip if he wants to ruin my life. Uh, so, do question here because of something we see a little bit later in the episode. Do we think Gamma is going through some early stages of possible dementia, or do we think the trauma of driving in the rain, her low, her uh, syndrome that they talked about last episode mm-hmm. and the accident just so overwhelmed her that that's why she's a bit out of sorts this episode i mean i would even i would be out of sorts yeah but yeah I so broke like my hip and we can and also we can talk about that part a little bit later but yeah she so, hit her head if she hit her head yeah. she might also have a concussion as well yeah. it's not like explicitly stated but right. yeah she hit her head. It's it's yeah, definitely but... I think meant to be a little ambiguous. Like it's definitely it's definitely yeah. meant to lead you down that road ever so slightly of just like, oh, maybe she's starting to to slip a little bit. But also just I love it even in this early part how it kind of comes together where it's like you realize that the two injuries didn't happen in the same place. Mm. That she must have like hit hit the dog, slammed her head on the dashboard or something or like the wheel, started bleeding drove home in a panic, got out, like, slipped, like, just the chronology of it, and you're just like, shit, Gamma, what'd you do? Right. Okay, let's go back to uh, my visual living hell here. Um, I was so mad this whole episode, because it's so good, and it was so hard for me to actually watch. Not because it's gross, but fucking lightning and electrical wires. Fuck shit ass fuck. Um... Pardon the explicit tag today, guys. It made me so upset. I mean, we have the explicit tag every single time. Yeah, but I, I often... Live up to it. I often don't partake. So, fuck. Uh, this, <laughs> But the operation continues on Vicky. Power still can't be turned off, because why make my life easier? Uh, to which the... I believe it's the cop responds, It ain't that simple, lady, when Carrie yells at him to just fucking turn it off. And uh, we... Oh, God. Carrie accidentally cut a uterine vein... The replacement ambulance has shown up. Carrie asks Sandy to call ahead to County so they can prepare for Vicky and the baby. Um, the firefighter that was electrocuted is brought in. Luca asks for the room for Mark... Oh, sorry. Luca asks for the trauma room from Mark and Daniel. They move Daniel to another room. He's tested positive for marijuana use, and his dad starts screaming at him because, of course... And the parents only give a shit about Joey. Daniel, who plays our parents? Oh, parents of the year here, the Pendries. Mr. Pendry is played by actor Larry Holden, who appeared in stuff like Memento, Batman Begins, and Insomnia. And unfortunately, he did pass away in 2011. So, uh, Mrs. Pendry is played by actress Kat McNeil, who appeared in stuff like Monkey Shines, Sudden Death, and Space Cowboys. And I will say, Carrie cutting the uterine vein... On Vicky, that's probably something that like, okay, if the if the patient if the mom's already dead, that that shit doesn't matter, right? right. It's like the way she knows how to do it is that makes no right. She doesn't have to consider those things under under the normal way she does that. Makes no never mind about the anatomy usually, um, but Carrie tells Vicky she has a boy and the power will be shut off in ten minutes. Galant bundles up the baby nice and close and jumps out of. With the baby, uh, but Vicky's bleeding out, and Carrie needs to clamp the arteries. And 
Yeah, Gaunt needs to jump out with the baby. He says, it's this or I throw him to you. And then (laughs) Sandy's like, no. Yeah, so he jumps out to Sandy's protest. And right as he does, a very, very cool shot of the Transformer blowing. And the guy near the power line being like, oh, fuck. Sandy is just having the worst day trying to keep these two idiots under control. But yes, it's very cool. Very cool visual of Gallant just holding the baby close near the ground and the transformer blowing up behind his head. And I'm sorry, but I just have the great visual of Gallant just yeeting this bundle of a baby to Sandy, like just just flying across the puddle. Like baby would be fine, but I just have the comedy of fucking a baby. Uh, We then go back to the ER. We see Mark sewing Daniel's chest up and uh, asks him how he's doing. Talks to him a little bit about his dad. We actually learn that it is, in fact, his stepdad, which might explain some of the emotions involved here. Uh, Mom comes in, dismisses Daniel's injury, and scolds him about taking Joey out. Uh, And he says uh, to his mother, very, very remorseful here, he says, I should have been the one that drowned. And she, again, mother Mm. uh, mother of the year here with the reply, yes, but it wasn't, was it? Holy shit. No wonder this kid does weed. Does weed? Uh, does weed. It smokes weed at 12. Uh, Mark then drags her out into another room and tries to give her some damn perspective. Uh, and then we find out that they found Joey and they're trying to rescue him. And I want to point out with the marijuana use, he is clear that he did not smoke today when he took his brother out. I know, but like, I'm just saying no, in general. I, I, I understand. Yes, he does drugs because his parents suck, but I just want to say like, that that guilt and everything did not contribute to this storyline particularly like he wasn't doped up when he right. took his brother out yeah and it's just an excellent uh you know i, I hesitate to say that it's going to be the last but it is certainly going to be one of the last times we get to see an excellent like mark one-on-one with a patient mm-hmm. thing that isn't couched in all of the the oh. you know drama heartache of like I... his last patients I have I have thoughts on this at the bottom of the episode. Yeah, uh, but in any event, we go uh, to a little bit of a little bit of bath time with uh, little baby Reese, uh, and uh, while they're in the middle of this, Roger shows up uh, at the door, and uh, with the world's most reasonable ask, he says, "All I'm asking for is some kind of arrangement that recognizes that Reese has lived under my roof and care for most of his life." And uh, Benton continues to be unreasonable and the heavy uh, yeah just unreasonably dickish about the whole thing like like tries to slam the door of the dude's face as soon as he opens it up and realizes it that who it is like it's just it's just really like i the other thing that i hate about it is like what a like kind of sour taste it's leaving in my mouth about benton i mean i know i know there's still more to go and i know that it's gonna i know they're gonna stick the landing but it just feels like we're awfully close to the end with him as a character to be pulling some shit like this and i know that part of it is because they are portraying it through the lens of he's right when in on closer examination it's like no actually he might be wrong here and i'm i am so excited for jake's thoughts on this yeah so just not a great look for our boy at this point uh, but uh, we go back, we see that Joey has been lifted from the river uh, and that our firefighter from earlier is going up to the burn unit. And everyone's favorite storyline, uh, Nicole. God, I forgot to, this was this episode yeah, too. offers to get everyone some coffees. She's like, oh no, it's on me. Sure. Uh, Frank gives his order and tries to give her money. 
And yeah, she says it's on her. Uh, and you hear a beeping start to go off. And Frank grabs Nicole's bag where the beeping is coming from because it's the same beeping that his Palm Pilot does at 7 o'clock when it's time to take his Vioxx. Which I went down a whole rabbit hole about Vioxx because it was a medication I had not heard of before. Uh, it's essentially a discontinued NSAID because it was causing like really bad intestinal bleeding and stuff. So fun fact. Go ahead. <laughs> Great. I'm on NSAIDs. But you're not on that. It's fair. Um, her bag rips open as they're struggling and oh look there's Frank's Palm Pilot and shit. Yeah we, we get an audible shit on from network television. I don't know if it was already edited out for the, the TV broadcast but at least on Hulu there's can definitely hear even if it's not subtitled, Frank going, shit. There was a shit. And it's, the Palm Pilot's now broken, says he's calling the police, and Luca's like, that's not yours. Of course, that, that's, I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation for this. Because only, he's the only one who believes Nicole. He's the only one, and I hate it. I hate that she's here. Uh, Frank says he's calling the police, and oh yeah, she's ripping everybody off. And Luca's like, is this true? And Nicole just doesn't say anything and just runs off. Oh boy. Fun times. Oh, bah, 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 bah. Um, then Gallant shows up at the ER with the baby, and Carrie gets out of the ambulance, needs to crike Vicky. Sandy is going to need a hand surgeon for an injured tendon, and she's like, Nope, I'm gonna clear the scene. It's fine, don't worry about me, blah blah blah. And away we go back to the hospital in the shiny new ambulance with Carrie and Sandy making eye contact through the window before they're before Carrie is driven off. Hmm. Very gay hmm. eye contact, if you ask me. I mean, sure. <laughs> is it gay to make eye contact, Daniel? I don't know, fellas. Fellas? Uh, Abby then says to Mark, if your parents tell you you're nothing, you think you're nothing. And we see Joey has no pulse as he's being brought in. GCS of three, which reminder to our listeners, that ain't good, folks. Um, Clinically speaking, si- ain't good. Ain't good. Uh, he's had a systole the whole flight. Carter pops in to check on Gamma. Susan is suturing her forehead. And Gamma busted her hip. Carter needs to do a scan to see if she needs... I put surger, sur- surgery. Um, he says, I think you hit more than just a dog. You also hit a young woman. And he called her He called her attorney ahead of time in case she needs defense. And she, she's an old white woman. She won't need an attorney. An old she's rich clear. white woman. And yeah, she's just clear. The CPD won't even bother. But anyway, we see Jill being rolled by outside the window, and he closes Gamma's curtain and goes to check on Jill. And we learn Jill crashed in the elevator, and they had to bring her back down to stabilize her. Uh, Mark is working on warming Joey up, and the parents come to see in the trauma and tell, telling Joey to wake up, wake up, wake up. Lauren screaming for the family to get out of the room. Lauren, ah! Lauren and I both wanted... Stanley, get the fuck out of there. Families should not be in traumas. Yeah, and river water oozes out of his mouth. Such a good, such a good, well done visual. Yeah, and like, and tiny Daniel uh, starts to come into the room, and Mark tells him to go back to his room, and then the parents are like, the the, the stepdad's like, you heard the man, go, get out, get out. It's not not helping, because it's like, I'm roughly the same age as this child when this episode aired. And I'm (laughs) sorry, but my brain just went, hold me closer, tiny Daniel, and it won't stop. Okay, yep. No, that that tracks. 
Hold me closer, tone your dance up. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, tells the parents to get out too. Because, yeah, they're yelling is helping nobody. approximately zero people. And they're getting in the way. So go back to Joey. Uh, they're packing him off with warm saline. Uh, Tiny Daniel is war- watching from the window. But Joey has good lung sounds. This is, this is the weirdest, weirdest thing. This kid should be dead. Well, we so should the girl from Hell or High Water. I know. Yeah. Just like, saying. like Which, like, which was just, not a girl. It was a, it was a little boy. But okay, <laughs> yeah. sorry. The story that was based on yes. was a little girl. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a whole thing. But just the way the schmaltzy way the music cues come back as the kid starts, as Joey starts oh, yeah. to... It's, Get a little it's bit better. He has good t- lung sounds. He goes into VTAC so they can finally shock him back into a normal rhythm. And on the second try, bam, they got him back. Woohoo! Yay, I guess. Yeah, no. Med- guess the- medically speaking, this is total horseshit. Like, this is this is some of the furthest, like, you know, we're going to stretch this for the basis of, you know, drama on TV as, as they've done. Oh. But it's a we, great moment. We get to my hypothetical why here in just a second. Yeah. And the focus on Mark there is like he let's go have one good inspirational moment before we ruin his life. They want him to have one last big hurrah here with this kid before they're like, oh, by the way, your cancer's back. Have fun dying. Yeah. yeah. But Abby notes that it has stopped raining. Of course. Comment on the weather. Yeah, I was going to say it does sort of feel like a little bit of like, let's play the hits one more time before we all have to take our sadness pills for the rest of the season. <laughs> Like, this is one more trip around the sun. Then we go up in the MRI. Radiologist says one-third of elderly who go under the knife for the type of hip surgery that Gamma would need would die within the year. And Gamma starts panicking in the scanner, and they go to pull her out. She asks for Grandpa Carter and where she is. And Carter reminds her, Grandpa's not here. Grandpa's dead. And you were in a car accident and she starts going like, oh my God, oh my God, that's right. I hit a dog and is like clearly very flustered about that. Also, but uh, still uh, very out of it. Also a Power Ranger. Okay. Like, let's not, let's not gloss over that. Like you hit a dog. Yes. And also a Power Ranger, like arguably the Power Ranger. So the pterodactyl Zord's going to come knocking on your door. Any any second now. Just saying Gamma. Like you got a lot of, a lot of pissed off adolescent males. Uh, What was... What was the yellow ranger, if the pink one? Sabertooth tiger. That's yeah. right. Thank you. Which uh, one of the, uh, if we can go back down that rabbit hole for a second, uh, the one of the characters in the Netflix special is going to be the daughter of the original yellow ranger. Oh, not, oh. fuck Not yes. her, not her, you know, her actual, not, not the actress's right. daughter, uh, because unfortunately she passed away hmm. well before she had kids. Um, but um, Canonically. Canonically, yes. That's the word I was looking for. So. But that that's excellent. Yeah. Love it. Uh, and our radiology tech here, uh, I really just grabbed this because apparently he appeared er- earlier in the season and I missed it. Uh, he is played by actor Brian Chenoweth, who appeared in stuff like Friends, Grey's Anatomy, and the TV series Ray Donovan. And uh, apparently was also in uh, 8-1, uh, Four Corners. So, And in any event, this is his last appearance, so don't get used to seeing him. And it did spark me to go look and check and see uh, what X-Ray Steve is up to and when we might be seeing him, if ever again. Turns out he has one appearance left. So, uh, not until, uh, season, not until season nine though. So you're, you're safe for at least the rest of this season, Lauren. He's still there. He's still working there somewhere in the background. Just can't see him. Anyway, uh, we got 
We're going to round off this episode with three audio clips. The first one uh, is Abby in the ambulance bay where Luca is putting Nicole into a cab. she okay? No. Not really. That baby okay? Yeah. Dr. Green revived a drowned hypothermic boy tonight. Came in ice cold, not breathing, no pulse, and he got him back. It was a miracle. You all right? What is it? She's pregnant. Who? Nicole. She was stealing? No, that's a... It's a habit. She doesn't know how to trust people. Her trusting people isn't really the problem. Her father kicked her out when she was 16. She's had to learn to live on her own. Her father? She panicked, I, I guess. I, I don't know. I was just trying to help her. I, I didn't think I'd be with her. just happened. You sure it's yours? That she's really pregnant? She's not like that. You don't know her. Do you? I love that last. Just do you? Yeah. Yeah, Luca. Do you fucking know this woman? This lying, her, awful human being. Her father kicked her out eight years after he supposedly hung I himself. I was just—I yeah, okay. had to go scroll back in the notes. I was like, I yep. was doing the like the chicken thing of like with, oh, the, with the eyes. That's like, why. I was that's like, why Abby says her father. Because that's not what Abby was told. So what's the truth? This character sucks. Yeah, that's the truth. That's it's the God's honest truth. And, and, we'll and be happy Luca, to be rid of her soon. Lucas Santon. Luca can't say no to a pretty face in trouble. It's his kryptonite. Apparently. Especially when the that person's lying their ass off to him. Yeah, well, he's too stupid to know that. He's just busy being handsome and helpful. Just because he's Croatian doesn't mean he's stupid. No, Lauren. but because God. he's stupid means he's stupid. God. God. Anyway. Anyway, uh, let's... For my money... <laughs> the last pure Mark Green moment. That and also just one of Mark's best little monologues ever. Uh, Mark is in with Joey explaining. Uh, Mark is in with Daniel explaining Joey's status. We gave him what's called an EEG, just a brain scan. Everything looks completely normal. So that's good. That's good. You're gonna get your brother back, Daniel. Thank you for saving him. You're welcome. Is my mom with him? Yep, they're gonna move him upstairs. And you're gonna be up in the same room soon. I wanna tell you something, but you can't tell any other kids, okay? Okay. Parents don't always know what they're doing. Just because they're adults doesn't mean they know what's right. In fact, some adults are wrong most of the time. I know that. Good. 
that I want you to promise me something. What? Don't listen to them. Don't believe that you're not just as good as your brother. Just as smart. Just as special. One day they may realize that. But you can tell them it doesn't matter because you already knew. You knew before they did. It's so good. I love it. Mm. Love it. Also, that Joey's brand scrambled eggs <laughs> at this point. It's not. <laughs> There's no way that that kid would have a normal EEG. Uh, well, you know. Maybe you can get his heart back, but maybe, that kid's. Maybe through the power of friendship. That kid is not coming back from that. Oh my god. I don't ever want to hear the term his brain is scrambled eggs ever again, please. <laughs> that uh, that hits too close to home. I'm sorry I exist to make your life uncomfortable. No, but that hits too close to home. I'm like... sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it you. is but it is just uh, like I said at the top, like it is it's one of those little moments that we talk about sometimes of like if you're not paying attention you might miss that like we we you take for granted how many times you've that we've gotten to do these type of scenes and see these type of moments from Mark over the years. And like, it's not that we're not going to get any more, but it's just like, they are all going to be kind of, you know, couched in all the sadness and drama of what's going to be his like dominant storyline for the rest of the season, the rest of his life. And like, this is one of the last times that we'll really get a chance to appreciate this version of the character you know before all that stuff really sets in and it all just becomes about his last x his last y his last z you know so it's just it's nice to sit there and savor it a little bit it kind of reminds me of when we knew doug was getting ready to leave yeah and we had that one episode where we were like oh this is the last like true doug and mark moment exactly it all is a thing yeah it was that last it was that one episode which, you know, I'm so, like, proud of and so thankful that, that we got the chance to talk to the guy who directed that episode. And he was like, yeah, that was intentional. Like, he was like, I, I really, I wanted a moment that was just, like, two guys hanging out at work. And, like, just, that was the that was the whole conceit. It, it, there was no, no extra baggage attached to it. And, you know, like I said, we almost take for granted how many of these type of moments we've been able to have with Mark over the last eight seasons, seven and a half seasons. And we're not pretty soon. We're not going to get any more. And like, that is crazy to think about, but you know, it, it makes you appreciate moments like these that much more. All right. And let's move on to our last one here. The last scene of the episode, uh, some schmaltzy gallant and Weaver talk. Dr. Weaver. Dr. Romano is looking for you. The mother came out of surgery. They had to perform a hysterectomy, but otherwise she's doing all right. Critter stable. Yeah, I know. Thanks. He, uh, he also told me that I should try to stay away from you if I'm going to survive medical school. Well, nobody actually listens to Dr. Romano down here. Yeah, I figured that. It was, uh, it was pretty amazing what you did out there. Oh, I was a little out of my element. Well, you wouldn't know it. Thank you. So why don't you go up and take her baby to her? Oh, they let me do that? Yeah, it's one of the perks. She's gonna think you're an angel. Ah, well, she did almost see me glowing. Hey, you did great. 
I mean, you, you took a risk, stayed focused, listened. You did what was necessary. That's an ER doc. Yeah, I was a little scared out there for a while. Galana was scared the whole time. Right. The fireman is sitting well in ICU. He's going to keep his hands. Cardiac activity is normal. Good. We got quite a jolt. We saved everybody, didn't we? You know, people are all right now because we were there. Some days are good days. Yeah, I like the good days. Enjoy them when they come. I'll see you tomorrow. Night. bring the house down a little bit here because i don't remember if i got this listener response and i don't think i did um but it kind of speaks to what i was just getting at with the whole like appreciate those those little moments and stuff like this episode does feel like a little bit of a distillation of that last line where it's like appreciate the good days because you they're not all like that uh and somebody pointed out and i apologize to whoever did uh because i like I said, didn't grab that listener response, I don't think. Um, but they said something to the effect of, like, that could be expanded and could be, like, you could apply that to the cat, like the characters. Like, you, you could apply that to the ER-verse here of, like, appreciate the good days because you don't know how, th- th- you know, you don't always get those. And, like, this is one of the, the last really, truly, like, good heart pounding fun moments of this season before it all turns to, you know, shit, sadness. And, you know, and are, and arguably like, you know, because like a lot of people have pointed out, like, like the end of this season into the beginning of season nine feels like a bit of a soft reboot of the show. So like it's, it could be construed and could be seen as like one of the last times you see the original recipe type formula of ER as a show, having one of those quote-unquote good days and so it's just it 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 really enhanced my uh experience with this episode like it really took this episode to another level for me of like enjoyment of just like it it takes on so much more significance for me than i feel like it has in the past absolutely yeah i've never never thought of it that way but yeah you're right and that listener is right yeah it's not your original thought no it's not my original that very few things are uh i have very few original thoughts uh but no yeah it, it was just like it, i i love and that's what i love about the listener responses is that you know like you guys give us make us think about things in ways that we haven't thought about either like and it, it can take an episode that like i said i barely remembered this episode was a thing before this week and then like now i feel like it could easily be included in a top 10 for me oh yeah, yeah. no this is this one is a is a hard 10 out of 10 would not change a thing about it perfect i mean okay lauren's like okay well for me i'm just saying for me for you i have to get it i have to give it a nine out of ten only because uh (laughs) have you met me (laughs) yeah no but it's a very solid 10 out of 10 works perfectly as is episode chef's kiss yeah absolute banger i love it if it hadn't been for the goddamn strobe town situation i 
it would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no, I have no complaints. It's like, yeah, I don't like what Benton's doing, but as far as the whole stories go, it's great. And easily yeah. the most unique Carrie moment, the Carrie sequence of the well, entire series. Yeah. Like this easily. is, this is a little bit of Carrie does uh, hell and high water. Like this is her, because I mean, I'm struggling to think of like an, an example of, of a signature Carrie episode, like a, an, an episode an episode in the vein of the long way around or hell and high water where like she gets to do it all. This, I think this, this is isn't it. exactly it, but it's as close as I think we're ever going to get. And so I just, yeah, for that reason, I I'm, and it's, and it is a little bit of a mirroring of um where Doug was in that, in that period of time too. Cause remember the whole like early part of that season leading up to hell and high water, they spend a lot of time tearing Doug down only for him to get to have this big heroic moment in uh, Hell and High Water. And it's a kind of a similar situation yeah. to what we've been dealing with with Carrie this season in that we've spent a lot of time shitting on Carrie this this season, that she has been really unlikable and has been acting in ways that we're not a huge fan of. And they don't necessarily connect those dots as well as I would like them to, but it still has the intended effect. Like, it still is this kind of triumphant, her heroic moment for that character uh, that I'm a big, big fan of. What the listeners have to say about it? I'm so excited to hear what they have to say about this one. Katie B says, I am not a Weaver fan, but this episode made me one. I love the banter back and forth between her and Sandy. It's nice to see her character being so caring and not thinking of only herself. I love when she jumps in the ambulance to save the woman and baby. She had some of the best acting in this episode during these ambulance scenes. Yes, 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 and yes. Uh, Rodney C, I read this before I read it out loud and it's made my day. I feel like Lauren watching this episode. Julie Delpy being a klepto? Don't remember it. Lisa Vidal being introduced this early? Nope. My biggest crush as a kid, Amy Jo Johnson, the pink Power Ranger, is a patient? Never noticed after three viewings. Weird. Little fact, it's become clear to me that Third Watch was not in the ER universe until they wanted a crossover. A paramedic even refers to ER as a TV show in the first season, but Lisa Vidal played a doctor in their ER in the first and second season, right before this. She also became the love interest of Michael Beach. Can't wait until towards the end of the season when we get to do that episode <laughs> for a bonus, the, oh, the, the Third Watch crossover. Oh, Franner W says, so much to love on in this episode and definitely one I remember quite vividly. I love Abby and Mark's friendship. The way they work and understand each other is just so effortless and so well done by Tierney and Edwards. I'm pretty sure it's been mentioned before as an underrated platonic ship, but this episode is a great example of it. I also love Carrie when she's being badass and vulnerable all at the same time. I'm not even sure if there is a name for it, but I bet the Japanese have some kind of adjective for it. Either way, that's what she is in this episode. Knowing what I know now, I will also admit to shouting, get a room at her and Sandy too, because I'm mature like that. That, uh, Franner also brings up an excellent point there too, that like this episode does start to lay a little bit of the groundwork that if you're not paying attention when you get to the end of the season, when it's time for Mark to go, you might mm -hmm. find a little forced the mm -hmm. the goodbye between him and Abby. 100%. But this episode really does do a little bit of the groundwork required to get you to that point. And yep. and it's and it is something that like we've talked a lot about with Abby that like Abby does sort of I don't know if that was the plan, but Abby does sort of take on a little bit of the Mark role in the 
ecosystem of the ER and in, and within the creative uh, creative process of of fleshing out the show. Like she sort of takes over it, that mantle, and it, it it's it's a little bit of a symbolic passing of the torch. Yeah, she kind of keeps everything grounded in a way after Mark goes. Absolutely, yeah. For to some people's absolute dismay, but I I do think you can't whether or not it hits for you personally aside I don't think you can argue that like there is a definite passing of the torch between those two characters yep and last but certainly not least we have at the full-time dad Aaron let's see what you have for us today while the February sweeps episodes have typically been the biggest ER events the November sweeps period has given us some of ER's best moments while partly cloudy might not have might not have a signature singular thread like Great Expectations or The Good Fight or Shocking Moment, Free Fall, or The Simple Beauty of a Fathers and Sons, it remains one of my favorites. All of the chief plot threads are well executed, from Carrie and Gallant's holy shit field trauma, sparks literally fly when Carrie first meets Sandy, and Gallant continues his impressive start, to Mark's save of the near-drowning death and his brother and parents. I love all of the reveal moments in the episode, too. The shock we all had when Gamma says, I think I hit a dog, and the horror on Carter's face when he puts two and two together, the 7 p.m. alarm, and the look of shock on Luca's face when he realizes Nicole is a kleptomaniac, though, gotta be honest, wasn't wild about how Frank grabbed her purse like that. Just call security, you're not 5-0 anymore, lol. And of course, the reveal that Fenton isn't Reese's biological father, and Cleo's bailing on her going away party to support him. Can I just say that it blows how now they're starting to use Cleo in every episode just as she's ready to vanish into the ether? It's like Joni Mitchell says. And yes, Mark, we know you hate that song. But I digress. The only qualm I have with this episode, and this is looking through a 2022 lens, is just how badly (laughs) the CGI and green screen effects have aged and knowing that they're going to start dipping heavily into it this season and beyond. A minor quibble for one of the best November sweeps episodes on record, and arguably one of the canon's most underrated. Yeah, a couple things in response to that. Um, the I'm, I know I'm usually the, uh, the licensed music grouch who like doesn't like it when they dip, in, dip their toe into that water. I did really like the licensed music at the end of this episode. I felt like it, it struck a perfect chord yes. and I felt like it was it was exactly what this episode it was exactly the kind of tone and emotion I wanted them to to carry out of this episode. So I was actually a huge, huge fan of that, despite not usually loving the, the licensed music thing. Um, and then, yeah, we didn't really touch on the green screen stuff at all. And I honestly hadn't even considered it until I read his response. And then I started I, it was like you said, Lord, I was, I, I read this response before I watched the episode and like watching it. I was just like, wow, if you're looking for it, you really can kind of tell the, the helicopter was the one I the, noticed the helicopter. The and then pretty much any time, uh, Gallant and Weaver are in the ambulance looking out to like, so anytime there's that two shot of them in the ambulance, mm-hmm. all the stuff behind them. If there's no uh, if there's no interaction between them and Sandy or them and the other firefighters, none of that is there. Like that's all <gasps> green screen. That is all 100%. And you can see the little like halo around uh You bro- you've broken Lizzie. Yeah, you can see the little halo around um Gallant and Weaver. That's all green screen. I guarantee it is. And I think it's just a loop of the set being played over it. 
And then, like, if they're actually conversing with somebody, then that's obviously a location thing. But, like, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not surprised. I mean, if they've got the techno- yeah. if they've got the technology, why are they going to spend, you know, untold thousands of dollars dumping gallons? I mean, because it's pouring down rain the entire episode. They're going to spend thousands of dollars dumping gallons of water onto the Warner Brothers back lot when they could just accomplish the same effect with a little bit of green screen. And yeah, it's a, it's a little bit noticeable if you're looking for it now, but uh, he's right. As we get deeper and deeper into the show, we're definitely going to start to see that a little bit more. And it's interesting to see that tar- start to creep its way in here in the, you know, halcyon days of late 2001. Like we we're getting into that era now where it's like, there's going to be some kind of ropey CGI stuff coming down the pipe. Oh, the phantom menace effect. <laughs> All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast, where we have a brand new way where you can support the show. Daniel, let us tell us about it. Yeah, we are now offering uh, annual memberships uh, on the Patreon side of things uh, for a slight discount. So if you uh, love the Patreon content, you want to help support the podcast, uh, then uh, and you know you're going to stick around for the long haul, uh, then uh, choose the annual membership option. It just takes, uh, and you can do this too if you're a uh, existing patron as well. You can convert your membership to uh, an annual membership. Uh, but it's basically whatever your your monthly pledge is times 12 and then 10% off that amount. So if you're a $5 patron, you would have normally been giving us $60 for the year. Now you only have to give us 54 if you do it for a full year. So, so you, you save a month. You save a little bit of money and, and you help support the show, give us a better idea of kind of what to expect month after month. You know, we don't have to sit here and like cross our fingers and hope that nobody cancels this month. You know, it's just like it gives us a little bit of security. It gives you uh, a little bit of planning if you know that uh, you know you're going to stick with us. So it's just another another option. And if you don't want to, if you just want to stick with the monthly thing, that's cool, too. We appreciate any and all support. It's true. And, and with the yearly option, you'll still get the, your same those same great benefits, those free stickers, the free monthly podcast, movie reviews, and Lauren's, Lauren's workshopping some... some I, I got some stuff in the pipeline. She's workshopping some bonus content, so if you want to stick around for that, monthly or yearly, we would love to have your support. Uh, we would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast, and we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? They can find me on my Instagram, which I'm trying to post on more regularly, at Lobo92345. <clears throat> right now, it's just vague pictures of the climbing routes I'm trying, some weird kittens, and whatever I'm cooking at the moment. Do you have a picture of you with the pirate kitty? A uh, picture of me with the pirate kitty is... Yes, it is on here. Awesome. Do you want to see? We went to a, we went to a cat cafe the other uh, this past weekend. It was excellent. Uh, been, I'm still, still sticking it out on Twitter because I hate taking pictures. Um, I'm at Random Gamer. That's J A M three R. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. Bye.